Hello, ADD Master Minions. Did I get that right? Yeah, Minion Knights, Ma- mm. Master ADD Mas- Minion Master Minion Mind thing. I never mind. Hello, uh, thingies. Hello, oh wait, maybe Listeners. no. That's not good. Listeners, <laughs> thingies, no. <laughs> yes, devoted, I am just devoted Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no. You know what? I'm not gonna riff on that. That's dangerous. Hey, uh, so, um, oh, I'm John Howie. Hey, I'm Jeff Hendricks. Sup? Yo, hey, what's up? I was just going to let that land for a bit, you know? Sup? <laughs> it's like I'm just talking to the ladies or something. Sup, yo? There's only one lady I talk to. You don't talk to any other women ever? Okay, that's a lie. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, must be hard for you. Really hard to do my job, you know. Yeah. Hey, so um, we had like some meetings and like team building sessions and stuff at work, and we were asked to oh. brainstorm. And I was just like spitballing, like mad, maybe a little too much. But I was like thinking that word brainstorm is a weird word. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, um, I, I always picture a brain with a cloud inside of it and, like, lightning and, yeah, it's just bad scene. It doesn't sound like a good idea to have a brainstorm. Is that where lightning round comes from on the game shows? Because they're oh, having brainstorms? I don't know. Mm. We'll have to ask Google at some point, but. Yeah, Google knows everything. Yeah, I know. Including stuff you don't want them to know. <laughs> that's right I actually I will say that all the time and it, I mean it gets sketchy but like whenever someone says something I'm like ooh I'll google image search that and you can get into all kinds of trouble by joking about that right because like yeah. yeah there's all kinds of things that could lead down the google image search but yeah so I mean just so you know like make sure you're not on image search before you google something that might be suspect just a well, little life advice in- these days, you can, I mean, anything, you know, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be anything even with innuendo. It's just you can Google image search anything and it'll come up with something freaky. That's why I work really hard to learn all the innuendo, so I don't Google image search it. That's interesting. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think that would fly on my end. I, I don't think I could get away with that. <laughs> yeah, man. Not, not so much. That might be a bad idea. Yeah. Don't try this at home, kids. That, that is definitely a bad idea. I don't know. <laughs> might be. It is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, honest. I was doing research as to what not to Google search. Wait a minute. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm just trying to be a little more racy because I was listening to the Money and Power podcast and somebody dropped an F-bomb. Yeah. So, Are you serious? Yeah. Well, no, it was like a soldier talking about the experience with 9-11 and he, he kind of mentioned, he's like, and I, I can't remember what the phrase was, but it, it came up in his language, which I was like totally natural. I wouldn't have cut it either, but I probably would have marked the episode as like explicit. <laughs> It's hard to bleep stuff out, like, really. True. Yeah. Anyways. Not that I've had to do that very often, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I, mean I assume it's it's complicated. Uh, speaking of those guys. Never, sorry? What were you saying? Because I would, I would never need to do that. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't swear on podcasts. Although we had a wax museum one where we, yeah used some language that a certain politician used and it was kind of hard to avoid. So he said it, then I started saying it and it's like, yeah, anyways, but we don't talk politics. So we good. Yeah, we're good dog. Yeah. Which I really love. Um, and that's what makes uh, money and power our nemesis. Yeah. Well, those guys are great, but we're super villains. So, you know, I mean, they can fix the world, but we're here to ruin it, so. We don't want to fix it. We want to own it. Yeah, man. We don't want to fix it. We want to own it. (laughs) That's why I'm the sidekick. All right. Hey. It's all good. Speaking of what? Hey, you know what I was thinking? Is like, if you can take the truth and dress it up as humor, people will listen. It's kind of like a spoonful of sugar. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, look at George Carlin. Yeah, man. I, I, I'll be honest. I I didn't when I was younger. I didn't get George Carlin uh-huh. because I didn't really understand a lot of what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I go back and I listen to some of his comedy, and he was genius. He was crude, but he made you think, and he was very knowledgeable about current events and things like that. And it was, but the way he presented it was funny. So it wasn't like he was beating people over the head. He was like presenting this situation where he would go, you know, what's really funny is when people do this and that, and isn't that crazy? And like, you know, and the way he presented it was just funny. It was humorous. But when you go back and listen to it, you go, holy cow, he's, he's talking politics, you know? Oh, but totally. He's at it from, but it, it, he was extremely, just the way his brain functioned, and he could take that kind of thing and then turn it around and flip it and feed it back to you as, as a joke. But it was totally, <laughs> he, he was good. Now, I mean, I have a lot of respect for what he, he did. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few comedians that do that today. Like, there's a lot of news yeah. stuff that happens, which gets all political, so we won't get into those people. But there's a bunch of people like that are Babylon doing it. Bee? Sorry? The Babylon Bee? Sure, let's go. With, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's that. And there's a bunch of TV stuff and everything like that, right? But um, but I I was just thinking about that and how we can use humor to bring truth. Um, and yeah. yeah. And so I think that's what I do sometimes. Um, a lot of times it is sarcasm, but I try not to be too harsh with it. But Yeah. It's my love language. <laughs> Sarcasm is your love language? Yeah, man. Or- hey, did you, um, like, okay. <laughs> Do you remember Bill Gates uh, saying something along the lines of, you'll never need more than 640K on your computer? Yep, I remember that. Okay, so like I I was looking into this a little bit. I actually did a little research, which is something I never do for ADD Masterminds. I mean, I don't really do it for Wax Museum either. I maybe look at Wikipedia, but <laughs> that's it. Um, but uh, I, so I did a little research into this, and it sounds like what happened is he wasn't like stating it definitively for all time like people tend to look at, but it's like they designed a computer and they said nobody will need any more than 640K. On this computer running this system. Yeah, I think so, and maybe maybe there was a little bit of a hint that they're saying the future, but I don't think it was necessarily saying for all time. But I was thinking about how, like, you know, every time somebody comes out with another bigger size, you know, and I think there's a new iPhone, and it's crazy, crazy big too, right? But I'm like, we talk about, like, how many terabytes, right? Um, I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so when they said 640K, um, they didn't think about audio, or video, or whatever, right? So then I was like thinking, right. so like, it's like I get a phone, and it's like, okay, yeah, my phone is 500 terabytes, but it's not quite enough to download my conscience onto this. Yeah, not quite. Not, not yet. They haven't figured that out yet, but I guarantee you they're working on it. But, yeah, so I'm like, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of that could be the next step that's like, oh, that's ridiculous. So it's like my entire personality is on this phone. I don't know. As a backup, right? As a backup, yeah. In case I forget who I am. <laughs> in, case, in case your personality fails or something like that. I gotta yeah. reboot you. I think it I think it already <laughs> failed. <laughs> Whoops. I have a question for you, John. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen The Incredibles two? Have I seen The Incredibles two? Yes I have. What did you think about it? I liked it. It was an interesting take. Um, I was convinced at one point that um, it was going to be all about how mom is amazing and dad sucks. But if I recall correctly, the dad kind of turned it around and figured out how to manage things at the home. Is that true? Yes. that I think that is a fair assessment, yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it is a... 
Hollywood style movie. I mean, you figure they're going to work it out and figure it out in the end. Because I, because I, I, yeah. I just think that's kind of the critique that you would normally have, like the Homer Simpson dad. It's like, yeah, he can't do anything right. Men suck, right? Which I get where that, this is coming from. Sorry. Yeah, that does happen a lot. That happens a lot. That's why people are looking for that now because they, that happens on a regular basis now. Yeah. And I mean, and to me, I mean, this kind of gets into um, just really feminism and toxic masculinity and all that stuff. And like in the end, like for me, I think a lot of this goes back to men's mental health. And if we're healthy mentally, we're actually loving people the way we should be. And so there shouldn't be fear that we're domineering everybody. And it seems right. to me our society's trying to fight against us domineering everybody by telling us we're nothing or telling us that we're, we're just a bunch of hormones in a bag of, I don't know. But, Misogynistic jerks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I think the way that we rise above this is by showing people we're better than that, like that we, we can do better and we can wield whatever power we're given and be willing to relent power in some cases too right because that's you know it's like yep. this idea of confidence i think i might have talked about this before but um it's like a truly confident person has so much confidence they give other people confidence and i think that's what good leadership is is that you're not trying to pull confidence from everybody around you so you don't need confidence from your wife and kids and instead you have so much confidence you're able to encourage them yeah, yeah. And I think another part of the problem with that is there's such a tendency nowadays for people to just jump to extremes and, and because it gets attention, you know, when you have extreme liberals or extreme conservatives. And Definitely. We don't do politics. But, um, but it's, it's such a temptation for people to just fly off the handle and take these radical stances over dumb stuff. And I'm like, that's not necessary. That's not really productive. You're not actually making any form of communication. You're just, you know, just yelling at each other and nobody's figuring anything out. You can't work like that. You can't, you can't fix anything like that, you know? Yeah, I don't know what, what I would call it, but it's something you're basically solidifying your base, right? You're just saying the same stuff that's always been said, which gets everybody that's on your side of the whatever it is. Right. I yeah. mean, this can be true okay. for anything. I mean, this could be true if we want to get out of politics. We could just get into sports and say, me as a Canucks fan, if I tell you how terrible the Flames are, the right. Flames fans aren't going to say, you know, you're right. I want to be a Canucks fan. Instead, all that's going to happen is other people that are Canucks fans are going to like me more. And it's like, is that all we want is just for our tribe to like us? Or are we actually Pretty trying much. to bridge the gaps between people so we can actually have a conversation? I think the majority of people are not trying to bridge gaps, honestly. I think we should. That's I what agree. I'm trying to do. I mean, I don't know if it's going great, but I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, we're trying to unite the world and make everybody our minions. I mean, that's yeah. perfect, right? Nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all, man. We're working for world unification. Everybody works for us. Have you ever seen a buffalo? I've never seen one in person, no. I've seen them in person several times. They are a magnificent-looking beast. Yeah. They, they look like they are old, wizened, bearded gurus just hanging out with cow horns, you know, they I mean, they just, they just look so majestically old and wise and it's just, they're neat to look at. They're very neat to look at. Hey, I, I was listening to a podcast a little while back and it was Freddie Prince, which yeah, he's still alive and he does stuff, I guess. I think he has a podcast. It's like really <laughs> he's alive and he does stuff. That's a very good description, John. Yeah, actually we should make sure that's in the show notes. Um, <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> Freddie Prince is alive and he does stuff. That'd be a good Facebook post too. I should post that. Um, so Fre Freddie Prince's mom 
said to him growing up, I guess his dad was like a famous comedian, so he's Freddie Prince Jr., I think. Um, okay. But his mom said to him, people are going to hate you no matter what. So just like what you like and don't worry about them. Which I thought was Pretty interesting much. advice. A lot of people are under the false assumption that you can change people's minds uh, easily. And the more the more vocal and gregarious that you become, the more likely they are to listen to you. And that's just not the case. I mean, either they like you or they don't like you. And it's very hard to change people's minds if they don't want to have their minds changed. Are you like, do you find that generally you're a pretty pleasant person that people like? Yeah, I've, I've only come across a small handful of people that really didn't like me. Um, and uh, in, in my whole life, I just, I'm just a friendly kind of person, though. But I, yeah. I, uh, I'm extroverted. I, I strike up conversations. I act silly. I make people laugh. And of course, you know, that's to cover my deep-rooted insecurities, but still, it works, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like that that, that um, desire to make everybody else comfortable. Right. Which can cause you to kind of um, subvert your own emotions and your own issues at times, right? Yes. Not, not to psychoanalyze you. But I, I feel that, I know that. I know that I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. It's hard too to not be constantly thinking about that. Like and I think like part of it too is like I know for me there was some bullying, not like scary bullying, but some bullying where there was some discomfort, you know, and, and I learned how yeah. to tone down certain parts of my personality so that I didn't get picked on. Yes. I did that too. And um when you are in school and getting picked on because of whatever, you know, because you're in band or you're two grades ahead in math or whatever it is. And people resent that, even though they don't, you didn't do anything to them personally. Um, a lot of it is just, it makes them feel insecure about themselves. And so they take yeah. it out on you to make themselves feel better. But of course it doesn't work either way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I I think for me, like, it's been, I've been trying to do less and less of being concerned about how I'm being perceived all the time and less explaining myself. And um, yeah. something I thought was interesting, I was recording with Doug, and I think I mentioned Jordan Peterson. And he's like, oh, you really like that guy. And I'm like, I, you know, there's some things I like about him and stuff, but I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm like, because there was almost a point where it was like he was trying to put me in a position where I was a Jordan Peterson apologist. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not defending this guy at all. And I, right, I, right. I was starting to think that maybe I should just stop mentioning who I got the idea from. You know, like if it's a direct quote, absolutely. But like if it's not a direct quote, and it's like why even bring that person into it? Well, and there's the possibility that if you if you say something that someone finds interesting, you can always if they ask you say, "Where did you where did you come up with that?" You can say, "Oh, well, I heard that from so and so," you know, or, R.C. Sproul or, or whoever, and you know, or I could say I made it up, and then I could get full credit. You could do that too until, you know. Well, actually, yeah, you could get away with it probably. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a big deal. If I was a big deal, it would. Right. So, Anybody else did it. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do from now on, guys. Okay? Yeah. That's a and great it... idea. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> Sounds great. Hey, uh, so um, Clear Lens, uh, somebody was talking about atheists and stuff and like, you know, stupid yeah. atheists. No. But <laughs> um, so like things that atheists say to you and how you respond and stuff like that. And something that came up that I thought was interesting was this idea that Christians are no better than atheists. Uh, in what way? Well, just uh, I guess morally, right? Like saying they don't really behave better than atheists. And 
I mean, there's like kind of a moral argument, right? Where it's like, well, you can't really have morals if you're not an atheist. And I'm like, you know what? I know a lot of nice, nice atheists that have good morals. Yeah, I, they're just socially constructed, but they're still morals. Well, and this is what I was thinking is like it's it's the reason for the morality. And there's a misconception, I think, um, on both ends of the reason for morality from our standpoints. Because I was thinking about how, like, I mean, there are some people who don't have any kind of a religious basis for their morality. And that morality could be done for the sake of morality or that morality could be done for the sake of keeping up appearances so people think they're a good person. Right, I think or there's a couple feel reasons about that themselves happen. justifying their own actions. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons that you can have a morality code that don't revolve around God. But I also like. I think there's a misconception on their end because I think there's a big assumption that the only reason why we are moral as Christians is because God will zap us. Yeah, that is a bad misconception because that's not how it works. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people who have were raised in a church or in a religious environment. I should be more specific. They were raised in a religious environment, and they were told you have to follow these rules because that's what God wants you to do. Yeah, but we are incapable of following the rules as. Galatians talks about the law doesn't bring salvation. Um, <laughs> so all of our striving and trying to follow the rules and do all of these moral things will fail. And the law is only there to point out the fact that we can't do it on our own and that we always will fail all the time. And um, which, <laughs> yeah, when people, people start saying, oh, well, you know, church is just all about rules. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about because the rules were there to show the people how much they needed God. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a test or they got zapped if they didn't do them, which in some cases, if they were in direct disobedience, yeah, God let them be punished for it. But the idea was is that they didn't follow God's rules because they didn't want to get zapped. They, they didn't follow God's rules because they didn't want to follow anybody's rules. Yeah, but I I think like, and for me, the heart of the matter is knowing that God placed laws, and I know, like, I, I, I get what you're saying with, like, for this to show us that we need him, but I think also there are laws, if not all of them, a lot of the laws are like, this is the optimal way to live, right? It's like, stay faithful to your wife, you know, love one another, yeah. Right? Love Don't God, love it. others, right? Like all Don't these things it. are the way to live the ultimate life. Like this is the most optimal way for us to live out our morality. And so like for me, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like, okay, so like when I mess up, um, and I've used this analogy. I use this analogy with youth group actually. It's like you tell your kid, don't pick your nose. And they pick their nose, and then their nose bleeds. And you just kind of shake your head, and you're, like, sad for them. You're not angry that they pick their nose, but you're just kind of like, see? Like, my ways are better than what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. And so so (laughs) I'm like, even, like, if somehow the absence of God, would I still be moral? I'm like, well, yeah, because these rules work. Everything in the Bible works. I would still do it. But I'm not only doing it because I'll get zapped. Like, I just kind of look at this and I'm like, I know that if I mess up, it's almost like uh, my GPS. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, All right, well, turn left and turn left and turn left and you're back on the route, right? And I, I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is doing constantly in my life. Huh, yeah. I think a lot of it, and this is something that that I have been working through with like members of my family and things like that. They, they follow the same code of, of morality that, that we do as Christians, but 
Um, but I mean, let, I mean, just think about, let's say, for instance, you're talking to like a complete sociopath. Okay. Somebody that has no conscience, right? Yeah. Even sociopaths will follow certain rules. Why? Because they realize that if they act a certain way, it will get them in trouble. Yeah. So for sure they will follow. Right. They, uh, and this is just, this is just basic psychology 101. So if they are, if they're conditioned, if I do something like this, then something bad will happen. Then by nature, they will try and avoid that. Now, to some people, they will say, well, that's a morality code. But if that code is inherited from everyone in your surroundings, because if you live in a society where murder is perfectly acceptable and fine and nobody cares, then there's no incentive to not murder people because there won't be any punishment. Um you know, and we see that in different areas. People have different morality codes, but for the majority of the world in developed countries, you see this almost like a universal subconscious moral code because it people just generally think it's bad for other people to take their stuff. And so right. when they retaliate, you know, and it's just an unspoken moral code because we we gravitate towards activities that will be beneficial for us you know yeah so that's um c.s lewis's law of human nature it's like this idea that if you walk by somebody who's drowning in a lake even though you as an individual feel like you don't want to go in that cold water there's something inside you that says i should aspire to be better and actually rescue that person right and, of course, people will disagree over where that instinct comes from. But, of course, yep. we know where it comes from. But, you know, but yeah, it's there. And, I, you know, I guess what's interesting is, like, like that argument doesn't necessarily work with your typical atheist. I mean, it, it may for some, but I, I don't think that it's kind of a catch-all like some apologists may think, right? And, like, so to me... If I look at that situation where the atheist says Christians are no better, I would hope that they can see that I am better than those Christians that they're stereotyping right now. I, you know, I want the Holy Spirit to work in me and continuously work on things in me to make me more attractive. Um, you know, like so where there's pride, it's like the Holy Spirit breeds humility inside of me. And I know that God's working in me, you know, on these things. And it's like, it's almost like, I was going to say this, the Holy Spirit is making me sexier. <laughs> it's like a weird <laughs> way of saying it, but. All right. But it's like, I, I say that about everything, right? Like, I'll, I'll make an Excel template, and I'm like, this is a sexy Excel template, you know? Like, it just, there's something enticing about what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us that makes us more attractive people. And I'm obviously not saying physically, but right. Well, yeah. And that should be there. And it's like I was saying before, like, oh, you can believe in supernatural healing. Oh, you can believe in supernatural blessing. But can you believe that the Holy Spirit can stop you from being a narcissist? I'm like, heck yes. That's what the Holy that's Spirit it. should be doing if you allow him. Yes, right? that's correct. And it's like, yeah. wow, John. You're not a narcissist anymore. This is amazing. And it's like, yeah, Holy Spirit. True. I mean, that is, that is, we are powerless on our own strength to reshape our very, our very natures. But God created our natures. And so he is the only one that is capable of truly changing us from the inside out. Now, that's not to say you can't shape and model behaviors based on certain stimuli and criteria, you know, training, things like that. But it's it's modifying behavioral modification is changing the stimulus, but the root cause and drive is going to be the same. But when exactly. God takes over a person, when you relinquish control of yourself to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to literally change who you are and in, not in a bad way, but in a good way. And in fact, yeah. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but when I was first, when I first heard the gospel, I resisted it because I didn't like the idea of God changing who I was. And I thought, 
in my naivety, because I was all of, what, 18 years old, I thought um, that if I accepted Christianity, that meant that I had to change who I was and what I liked and how I thought and and basically just not be me anymore. I had to change and be something else, right? Um, which I didn't want to do, obviously. Who, you know? But it wasn't until I got to the point where I realized how depraved I was and was honest with myself and admitted it, then I realized that, okay, God is the only one who can make me who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You know, because our, our mental image of who we are does not match reality. Yeah. Because we, we, we have a very high self-esteem in some ways and very low in others. Yeah. But when we, when we think of ourselves as our ideal form, we tend to romanticize it, and that's just not the case. Yeah. But, you know, and anyways, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, it's like, and so, I mean, and I see this a lot where it's like, you, it's pretty obvious when you can see someone who's not really letting the Holy Spirit do that work within them, and they're yeah, unchanging, and they're like, well, this is just the way I am, and I'm like, Oh, I just want to see a breakthrough for that person because when the same people try to proselytize, am I saying that right? I wanted to make sure I didn't say that wrong because that's something I don't want to Google. (laughs) Don't image Google search that. Nope, don't. Um, But anyways, so that idea of trying to change someone's mind and make them like you, but it's like if you're a terrible person that everyone hates, maybe – proselytizing is a bad idea and so what is it about you that makes people want to be like you and if there's nothing about you that's going to make people want to be like you then chances are the holy spirit's not working in your life and you need to surrender some things absolutely yeah and and i find that in a lot of people when we say um and this is this is a majority of people that I see that are struggling with faith or that claim to be Christians and do a lot of justifying of their sins. Yeah. What I think they're doing is they they see Christianity as just changing their set of stimuli, changing their their Pavlovian responses, and they're like, Oh well, my set of moral standards isn't working, so let me try yours. You know, and they think that Christianity is just a moral code and that it's just these these actions that produce an intended result, but they, they don't really get the where the basis of that comes from. It's the other way around. We change our, our results in response to what God has done for us because we're incapable of changing ourselves. Um so I see that a lot though. I see a lot of Christians or people that claim they're Christians that do behavioral modification, but they're doing it internally. They're not trusting in God to show them what to do, yeah. and so they struggle with it. They fall out of grace. They they backslide or whatever. Because ultimately, if you're trying to act like the Holy Spirit on your own strength, you're going to fail. And so you can keep it up for a little while, but eventually you're going to fail. And when you do, you you, know, you backslide or whatever. And the truth is, is that you weren't working in the Spirit's power to begin with. You were trying to do it in your own strength. And I, I've been there. I've yeah. done that. You know? Well, and it's so like... It's very... Yeah. But, like David says, search my heart. And I mean, man, if you ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? What's the core of all my bad behavior? He will tell you. And I did that years back. Yes. And I probably told you this before, but you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? What? significance hmm. and so it was like I was striving for significance in the eye of God I wanted to show God look I'm doing this am I significant now and it took me a lot of work to realize that God was saying you already are you try to impress God yeah and so how good I feel well, it's like all of my anger 
over not being able to serve the way I thought I should be serving. Right? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a worship leader. Oh, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be in all these lists of things that I thought I was called to. And the moment I laid down my significance, I went on a journey of just losing all of that. And losing all this like high and mighty kind of, well, I'm called to this, I'm called to that. And just being able to learn how to just practice in my day-to-day, practice what God's calling me to do moment by moment. And I'm connecting the dots now, and I'm realizing there's a reason why I didn't fit in anywhere. I'm different. Yeah. And it's like I, I think a little differently. And and so I'm here to just spice things up a little bit and help people think a little bit. That's all I'm doing. And I just do that everywhere I go. And it's like I'm not – am I changing people's – I don't know. I don't know if I'm changing anyone's life. But I, I'm making people think a little bit. And it could lead people to Christ. It could lead people to – I, well, it's going to lead them in a positive direction. I know that, <laughs> but it's like it's it, no, it's, um, but it's like I'm not going to take people all the way there. I, I no, there may be a few that I will, but it's like, and I don't expect that, and I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking to be faithful to what God's called me to. Right. It's it, we get under the assumption that it's something that we did that brings people to faith in Christ, but the yeah. truth is, is that they can't do anything unless God draws them to Himself. Exactly. And, and we can have a lot of discussion about, you know, free will and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is the Bible specifically says no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn to the Father. Yeah. And, um, you know, that means that by definition means that not everybody all the time is drawn to God. Yep. So yeah. we yeah. are called to... Basically, what it boils down to is we're called to be obedient, and God handles the rest. You know, it says some were assigned to plow, and some were assigned to sow, and some were assigned to water, but it's God who produces the the harvest. So we get caught up in in numbers, and and, but it's not us doing the the growing and the produce. It's God. You know, we're just tools. Yeah, I'm a tool. Um... (laughs) I'm a tool. I have a tool. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking too about like, so I, I can't remember what the word is, but like a, a friend at church um, said something about me being an idea. It wasn't ideologue, but it's something like that. Um, but it's like, and, and a person who is full of a ton of ideas can be very useful because at some point they may have that golden idea that's going to change everything, Right. And I was thinking about that, and then I had a conversation with another person that said, well, you're a dreamer, and you need a builder. And I'm like, I hate the word dreamer, because it sounds like I do nothing. But I I had to think about that for a minute, and what I realized is, yeah, I've got a ton of ideas in my head. And some of those ideas, I can execute. But there's so many ideas, I can't execute all of them. I know, right? And so what I need to do with those ideas I can't execute is share them, and hopefully someone can execute it. Or it's just a crappy idea that no one will use. And you know what? I don't care. I got lots of ideas. I got some that work, some that don't. I won't take it personally if my idea doesn't work. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the interesting things I, I read about entrepreneurs years ago was that entrepreneurs, the really, you know, the really famous ones, uh, like Bill Gates or guy or uh, Steve Jobs, they did not specifically like come up with an idea and then um, basically develop that one idea forever. What they did was they just continually came up with more ideas, and after a certain point, they would just all their job was was to just come up with ideas. They didn't even develop them anymore. They would just say, hand it off to their engineers and go. This, I want this idea to happen. Make this happen. Exactly. You know. So those kind of guys. But I mean, of course, they had to do actual work to get up to that point. But the fact is, is that they didn't become rich and famous because they had one good idea. 
they had many, many ideas, and they were prolific in making those happen. Even if it was one at a time, they didn't... Like, you don't hear about famous authors that only wrote one book, right? No. Very, but very seldom. That's extremely I kissed dating rare. goodbye guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, he... his name. <laughs> I guess Josh, he came back and said, by the way, I gave some bad advice in that book. He did. Did now. you hear about that? What was that? Yeah, too late now. Yeah, he, <laughs> he actually did. He came back and he said that was a really bad idea. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of these things, though, too, is like somebody has an idea that works for them, and then they try to apply it too broadly, and then it catches yeah. fire. And this happens in Christianity all the time. Like, how many ministries <laughs> yeah, have we seen where it's like, ooh, this worked once. Hey, let's do it everywhere. And it's like, no, stop it. That's stupid. I mean, it's like Hillsong. Yeah. It's like, oh, this worked in Hillsong. Okay. Um, what do they do? Oh, they use click track and you know, there's just all these things they do and people are just trying to replicate it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, don't like, please don't. Right. Right. Um, Absolutely. They are trying to replicate a move of God and, yep. um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, we've no. talked about cargo cultists before. That's, that's the, the idea. They're doing the same things and expecting the same results in a totally different situation. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, like, let's let's do something different. Let's see what the Holy Spirit's saying to our congregation, and let's figure this out. And I mean, what's really fascinating to me right now? I don't know if you're familiar with um, what Francis Chan is doing now. What's he up to? So he left his mega church that he had, and he started I had home church. And his home church, it's like once it gets to twelve, it splits. And they form another home church. And basically, it doesn't get bigger than, I'm hoping I'm quoting the right number, but I believe it's 12. So it never gets bigger than 12. And I'm like, I'll that is you. interesting. Cell groups, right. Yeah. And uh, another guy, um, Aaron Nyquist. This is really fascinating. I actually wrote chapter one of the Wax Museum book. If you guys go to waxmuseum.org, I talk a little bit about this. Um, really? Yeah. Um, so Aaron Nyquist, what he did is he, um, started this church called the practice and what they do is they will, he will teach something for like 15 minutes and then the congregation will practice it for 15 minutes. So, so, um, so an example of that is, um, during a very contentious election that happened in a certain country. Um, what yeah, he did right. is we'll he said, I want you to pick the politician that you disagree with. And they showed a picture of them now and then showed the picture of them as babies and said, I want you to pick the p- politician that you hate, your enemy, and I want you to pray a blessing on them, a blessing on their family, a blessing on their spouses and all this stuff. So they actually practiced loving your enemies right there in the church. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Thanks. Because how much of like, how much of our church is just like, okay, yeah, well, good luck with that, guys. You know, like I gave you this word right now. Hopefully, you guys took notes, and which you'll probably never look at again, <laughs> right? Like, like who's actually practicing this stuff? Those your bio, in your Bible cover, never to be seen again, right? Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, like, and kind of not to sell the chapter further, but. Um, it's like, what are you doing throughout your week to worship God? I mean, that's, that's the bulk of what we should be doing. It's not about that Sunday service. Right. Yeah, it's definitely, and well, uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about like behavior modification and morality codes. Um, I think, I think that kind of points us to uh, the essential basis for that is that we as the human race need some form of direction because pure anarchy does not end well. No. Um, it, It doesn't. And because the way that we are wired, the stronger will always take advantage of that if they're allowed to. And 
um, not necessarily physically stronger either. You know, um, surely there were people who were not physically uh, brutish, but they were extremely smart and took advantage of that, like Napoleon, you know, etc. Um, for what that's worth, but we we are as a whole, as a as a race of of creatures, we need direction. And, and yeah. yeah, and I think that's what scares me about the fixation many people have with politics is that they're looking to their country's leader or their mayor yeah. or their whatever, looking to them as Lord. And it's like in the yeah. time of like Paul, the reason why he was getting in trouble is because people are supposed to be going around saying Caesar is Lord. And instead what? they were saying Jesus is Lord. And what's scary is I feel like a lot of Christians are starting to say Caesar is Lord again. Well, yeah, and there's more than just politicians. There's, um, Celebrity. you know, celebrities, popular, um, you know, personalities, what have you, uh, any kind of, even ideologies, people will yep. look to as their salvation. They will look Absolutely. to that as their savior, as their direction and guidance. And that doesn't always end well. No, definitely not. Ideologies suck. Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. Like, it's like, and, you know, it's like this idea that it's like reality is complicated, like super complicated. You know, any situation, like you read on the news and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, there was a toddler that was locked in their car or, or something like that. And we think we know exactly what's going on by reading the news story, but life is so much more complicated than that. Yes. And, and I mean, and there's some things that are simple. Like, I don't know, we understand that if I take my phone and I drop it, that it's going to hit the ground. It's not going to float in the air. So I, I know that. That's 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 a given. And so there's right. certain facts that we're just like, okay, yeah, we can't dispute that. It's just that's the way it is. But most of reality is just like complicated and so hard to explain. And the problem with ideologies yeah. is they take all this stuff that's really hard to comp explain and they make it look like the law of gravity where it's like, yeah, no, 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 it's just going to fall down. That's the way it works. And so people will invest their lives into ideologies and they think, no, 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 I'm, I'm a this. I'm an, I'm an Apple fan. If I'm going to say that's a type of ideology, but it's like Apple is good. Everything is. that Apple makes is better, right? And it's like as right. soon as you find a counterexample, what do they do? They just double down. Like there's just, well, I've invested so much into this, right? It's lazy thinking. It is. It is. It is. Um, it's you, very lazy. So what I found um, interesting, in if we go back to that encounter with the atheist. I think a big part of this is we need to figure out how to have the same vocabulary as other people. Um, if we're going to have any kind of a discussion with anybody over a contentious issue, such as, I don't know, does God exist? Or even, you know, if we're going to talk about a, where an ideology breaks down and say, this is where your ideology doesn't make sense, I think we have to figure out how to learn other people's vocabulary. Yeah, that's a lot of work, and a lot of people can't be bothered. Yeah, well, that's because a lot of people aren't interested in bridging that gap. But I believe Correct. we as Christians are called to bridge that gap. We're not to expect people to come over to our side. We need to bridge that gap by learning the language. Uh, yeah, and a lot of that hinges on we are fielding questions, but we have to be very aware of where God is moving because I can tell a hundred people about what God has done in my life. But if I'm not noticing their response to it mm -hmm. and really paying attention to what the spirit is doing in that particular time, I may miss it. I could say, man, I told, I witnessed to a hundred people today, but <laughs> if I, right. I mean, but if I didn't pay attention to, Hey, look, they were actually curious and they were actually listening and I didn't follow through with it, then what good did it do, you know? 
Well, and I mean, beyond that, too, it's not like we're just hooking people into the gospel and then we leave. Like, discipleship. Right. And I feel like discipleship is something that we're not as interested in. Discipleship isn't as sexy as just bringing people in. You know, having a seeker-friendly church, have a seeker-friendly church, have pumping music and everything like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, the lost are comfortable in our church. It's like, okay, great. But now what? Oh, we didn't plan further than that. (laughs) That is absolutely true. Absolutely true. That was one of the points, that article that I'd read about um, why I left your seeker-friendly church. It was because there was the promise of discipleship, but it never actually happened. You know, because it wasn't structured, it was because it was organic. You put a bunch of lost people together or even new Christians together. They're not going to know what to do. There's no discipleship and a a 30 minute, you know, vignette every week isn't enough to really disciple somebody. They need to have somebody take them under their wing and say, hey, look, you need to be reading through Proverbs. You need to read through the Gospels. You need to read Romans a couple of times and really get a grip on what happened to Paul. You know, those are the kind of things. And then answering questions, explaining things, asking asking questions and, you know, what do you, why do you think God did it this way? You know, those are all discipleship things. And say, these are the doctrines that our church adheres to, but let me explain to you why we got there. And not everybody agrees with them, but this is why we think they're right. And, you know, and but those are the kind of things that a lot of the big churches are missing out on. And they'll have like a belonging class, but they rush you through it in like an hour, so you don't really get to dig into any of it. I think we got to give people tools on how to question, right? Like, because this is a mystery we're yeah. delving into, and I think sometimes we over, like, over formula it. <laughs> you know, where we're just like, well, that's simple. It's this. Oh, well, it's this. It's Calvinism. It's this. It's that. And it's like, no, no, no. You know what? There's a lot of things. We don't really get about God, and we're still figuring it out. And there's like kind of this infinite mystery that we're delving into, and God slowly reveals himself to us as we journey. And that's what's so amazing about this, is that this supreme being that's beyond our understanding just starts revealing a little bit of himself to us. And it's enticing, and we just keep following Yes, it is very enticing. Oh, Sullivan decided to come sit on the table on top of my phone. Is Hello, that a Sullivan. Cat? He's not thinking. Yeah, Sullivan is our our cat. He's very fluffy. <laughs> he, uh, he's about a year old, and he is a long hair, but only like his tail. His tail is like huge, and the rest of him is just kind of like a regular kind of cat. But uh, he's a he's a good minion cat. I think he's he's evil enough, but um, he's, he's very rotten. Here, let me, uh, let me did you Sullivan. get a chance did you get a chance to get Sullivan the new Acme Lasers head mount for cats? That big fluffy tail he's got. You know what? He could probably use a good laser pointer right about now. He could use a laser pointer to face and he could use um, man, if he had a, he was just Jumping at the window at uh, bugs outside the window in my room. He was uh, trying to catch bugs through the glass, which doesn't work very well. But if he had a laser, he could just zap them with a laser. And exactly. I, I wonder. I wonder if you put an acne laser pointer on their head, if they would just chase themselves silly. I want to find out. There are a ton of options. So once you get the head mount from Acme Lasers, um, yeah. you can use a variety of lasers. So there is the laser that's just basically a laser pointer, but there's actually burning lasers if Sullivan wants to actually burn the bugs. Um, he probably would. And they're completely safe for children. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think a, a laser... Helmet, the cat, cat laser helmet would be, um, wow, that would be stylish. I'm gonna have to see. I'm gonna have to look at the catalog again, and I think I missed that page. Um, yeah, the the Acme laser catalog is very extensive. It's um, it's the bottom right corner of page sixty seven. But we'll yeah. Um, 
So I, I read something on Facebook, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it said, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people? Yeah, it's like, I, I just think that's bad advice to give people. <laughs> or maybe it's, maybe the first hurt people is the subject, and then... Oh, and the other, so the predicate is hurt. So hurt people yeah. is the noun. Tend to hurt other people. Hurt yes. is a verb, and then people is the object. Well, that's not things. as funny. It's not nearly as funny. Hurt people, hurt people. Just repeat it. Like pizza, pizza. Hey, I heard, I heard hurt people, hurt people, everybody. Hey, um, I heard something cool. I love like when sometimes you meet people who have like just like a killer vocabulary. And so somebody was talking about, oh, we were getting some pushback, blah, 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 blah. And somebody else said, oh, so they were creating a lot of noise. And I'm like, that's a really good term for like discord, like in conversation yeah. where people are arguing. Yeah. It's like they were creating a lot of noise. Yeah. Or getting a lot of flack or... Yeah, that's or some bad energy, man. It's bumming me out, bro. <laughs> bad vibes, dude. Yeah, there's a lot of signal to noise ratio going on. Uh, there's a lot of noise in communication today, in general, and so. Yeah, it's know, true. I a lot of what we what we talk about is is just noise, you know. Okay, now Sullivan has discovered the bird, so now he wants to eat my finch. You can't have the finch. You can chase bugs through the glass, but you can't eat the finch. Kind, okay, kind of glad I'm probably he doesn't gonna have, have the... to bust out the laser on Sullivan. It's probably probably a good point for us to call it for the night. Um, possibly, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss, John? I think we can be good for now. Okay. Right, well, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our dedicated listeners, all five of you. Um, Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We really enjoy making podcasts, and uh, except for the editing part, I hate that. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we we love talking about things. We love discussing what's important and interesting to us, and we hope that you find it important and interesting as well. Um, but uh, love doing podcasts with you, John, and just wanted to say thanks to our listeners. Thanks to you, and thanks to Sullivan for not eating my bird, uh, my poor little finch. He uh, he he's. He's actually knocked over the birdcage a couple of times, and the bird got out, but he didn't catch it. So, uh, yeah. I, why we decided to have a cat and a bird at the same time, I don't know. Probably not the best idea. So, Maybe if the bird was look us up, guys. On Facebook, we're yeah. at ADD Masterminds. On Twitter, we're at ADD Masterminds. And yeah. we're on Instagram, but we never use it, so... There's that. What about our master blog? Do you have our master blog? Is it still oh, functional? Oh, yeah, it's somewhere. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> the ADD master blog. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to write yeah. another one. We'll see. That was kind of fun. Yeah, we need to do that. It All was. Right. I like writing stuff. Words mean things. Words mean things about stuff. Words mean things. You could totally interpret that differently, just like the hurt people hurt people. Words mean things. They're mean things. And remember, guys, hurt people. Hurt people. One, two.
all the things, all the things are recording. Need to make that a song. Needs to be a song. <laughs>